thanks for checking out the New Life Speakers podcast. All of our speakers are recorded live at our AA meeting held on Friday nights at 8 p.m. at the Atonement Church in Wyomissing, Pennsylvania. More information about recovery and our upcoming events can be found on our website, newlifespeakers.org. If you don't want to miss our newest upcoming speakers, don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. This podcast is self-supporting, so if you enjoy this podcast, please put a dollar or two into our virtual basket. You can find a link for this in the description. And if you know someone in need, please share this with them. Thank you. Hi guys, I'm Callie, I'm an alcoholic. Hi Callie. There's a lot of people here and it hasn't been this full lately and of course the night I speak, the room's full. But um, yeah, this is my home group. Um, I got sober October 1st, 2019, so I just celebrated three years this past Saturday. Um, and then, yeah, I turned 21 on Monday, which is a kind of a weird thing to be, you know, 21 and have three years sober. It's a little weird. Um, but so, yeah, I grew up here um, in Fleetwood, which is like 25 minutes from here ish. Um, my childhood was good. You know, my parents were together. Um, I have two older brothers, um, and we had everything that we wanted and more. You know, my dad was a really hard worker. He worked so that we could have everything we wanted. We had a big house, and we had a pool, and we had dogs, and, you know, me and my siblings were really close. Um, and life was good, you know, I, I, you know, some people, sometimes you hear people speak and it's like, they were always uncomfortable when they were a kid. And I never really felt that. Um, I always just tried to be like my, like, I felt like my parents wanted me to be, I knew they wanted me to do good in school. My dad was a really hard worker. I knew that like growing up, that's what he would have wanted me to be. Um, so I just, you know, I liked school when I was a young kid. Um, I always liked sports. You know, growing up with two older brothers, I kind of grew up like a tomboy and like wore their like basketball shorts to school and shit, like a weirdo. But like, I think my like second grade like school picture, I have like my brother's like t-shirt on like basketball shorts. But um, yeah, so nothing like crazy when I was a young, young kid happened. Um, Alcohol was always, like, glorified in my house from a young age. My parents were young when they had me and my brothers. I think my mom was 19 when she had my oldest brother, and then 21 and 22 when she had my other brother and then me. So they were young, and they we lived in a small little house, and we had moved into Fleetwood, and we got, like, the big, nice house and everything. So that's when, like, they were like, okay, like, we can party now. Because as when my mom turned 21, she was pregnant. So... You know, they had lots of friends. My dad was very social and had lots of friends. And he was like a, um, at the post office actually down here, he was like the supervisor. He had all these friends because he would deliver mail and meet all these people. So they would have parties all the time. And I remember seeing like my mom do like stupid stuff, like as a result of like her drinking. But it never was in my head that like, oh, that's what happens if you drink. Like I never, it was just like, this is what my parents do on the weekends. So I think I was probably maybe like five or six the first time I like tasted a beer and nothing like crazy happened. I wasn't like an alcoholic right away. Um, my, you know, my dad and his friends would play poker and they would like give us nickels and dimes to give them another beer out the fridge. And that's just what we did. Um, so it was always glorified and I always knew that like fun was like with alcohol, but it was never like, they never got out of control. I mean, there was sometimes my mom would, 
but nothing crazy. Um, and then when I was eight in 2010, um, my dad uh, crashed his motorcycle and died. And then after that, my that's when like my mom kind of like set off like everything like everything just like changed obviously you know she had three kids and she was a single mom and for a long time I was very angry at a lot of the things that she did until I got sober and came to realize that like a lot of those things weren't because she wanted to a lot of those things happened because she didn't know what else to do and I you know we're not supposed to say other people are addicts or alcoholics but my mom drinks alcoholically um, she's never admitted she's an alcoholic. I don't know if she ever will. Um, that's not for me to decide. That's for God to decide, not me. Um, so there was lots of nights after that that um, me and my brothers would pick her up off the floor because she'd be drunk. She'd be at the bar and she'd come home, you know, dudes in and out of the house, all sorts of crazy stuff. And, and that lasted for a while. Um, and my oldest brother, he was probably 13 or 14. And he didn't trust us to like use the stove yet and like we didn't know how to do laundry so like he did all that stuff for us he cooked us dinner every night when my mom was out and my mom also quit her job so she wasn't working um because from you know my dad passing away she like got some money so she didn't really have to right then and there um so she wasn't working she was just drinking i remember you know i'd go to school she'd get us up in the morning for school and then I'd say bye to her in bed, and then I'd come home and she'd be in the same spot. Like, she wouldn't get out of bed all day. And then when, like, 4 or 5 o'clock hit, she would get up, drink, go wherever, and it was just me and my brothers at home. Um, so, yeah, my brothers became, like, we were just, like, a little pack of three, and, like, we did everything together. We went everywhere together. If my brothers were going out, they had to drag the annoying little sister along. Like, that's how it was. Like, I was with them all the time. They were my best friends. Um... So when I got to, so my oldest brother, he started to like smoke weed and like do some other drugs. Um, nothing like crazy at that point, but I, I know this is AA, but drugs are part of my story. I think I like smoked weed for the first time when I was like 12. And I remember like, it wasn't necessarily that, you know, like I got high and like the world was like crazy. It was more of the fact that like, the fact that I had to sneak around and do it like that, it, it was exciting to me. I was like, oh, my mom can't find out about this. And like, oh, if the kids find out at school about this, like I'm going to be some like weirdo because I was 12, like smoking weed. So that that part of it was like exciting to me. And, you know, later on the line, that like chaos and that like all that became like part of like my life. And like I like thrived off that for a long time. Um, so, yeah, I probably I started, you know, doing some other drugs 13 14 um I wasn't drinking often um but you know I did a lot of drugs as a young kid um and then I started I found something that I really love my brother my middle brother he's he was really good at football and that was like his thing like he was gonna go to college and NFL that was like what was gonna happen and I finally found like something that like gave me that satisfaction like he did and I started playing field hockey and I think I was in like third or fourth grade and I fell in love with it instantly like I knew that like that was gonna take me somewhere because I didn't know like what I wanted to do you know when you're that age you start getting asked in school like oh what do you want to be when you grow up and you're like I don't fucking know but then some kids are like oh I want to be a nurse or I want to be a doctor like whatever it is I never knew but I knew I had that one thing that like I loved and I was good at and I thought that like that was gonna you know you know, where I was going to be successful. So, um, 
So as a result of like my mom's drinking and kind of like my dad passing, the acting out for me started a little bit. You know, I would sneak out in the middle of the night. My oldest brother was like 16 or 17 at this point, and um, he had moved out um, in with his girlfriend. So he didn't live, and that was like my best friend. So we didn't see each other often, and he lived down the street. His girlfriend lived like in the same neighborhood as us. So I was like 13, like sneaking out to like go there because my mom didn't let me see him because he was doing drugs and she knew it. So like that, I started sneaking out to like see him all the time um, and getting myself into trouble. Um, we, I remember this one time we were at a party and like the cops got called and like my brother like shoved me into like a cardboard box and was like hiding me. He, and you know, that's when like that and that stuff was exciting to me. All that like sneaking out, like my mom never ever caught me sneaking out. I have no idea, well one time, but other than that, like she, uh, one like one time I was sneaking out and she caught me, but other than that, like, and I, w I was getting away with everything. Everything I was doing, I was getting away with. The drugs, the drinking, the sneaking out. Me and my brothers used to take my mom. She had two cars. We used to take one of her cars. Like, we were getting away with all this stuff. I had no consequences to anything. Um, and it was fun. You know, it was fun for a long time. My drinking and my drug use was fun for a while. Um, so my mom started to realize, like, my grades were going down a little bit. I would have them up enough that I could, like, play sports when it was that season. But other than that, they were kind of bad. So she put me in um, – Karen, the rehab center, had had this woman come into the schools and do, like, therapy-like groups. So, like, one day a week, a woman would come in, and there would be, like, anxiety and depression groups, grief and loss groups. Like, there even were, like, drug ones. Um, so she'd put, she made me go to this grief and loss group, and I remember being so angry about it, but I got to know this woman that ran the groups. And her name is Jen – and I still communicate with her today. Um, so I started to go to these groups and I hated it. And that was like my first like dabble in like, oh, maybe like some of my actions are like not right. But I didn't think anything of it. Like I was young. I was really young. Um, so what grade was I in? My eighth grade year. Um, I was doing, I was drinking a lot more, doing a lot of drugs. It wasn't like an everyday thing. It wasn't really affecting anything. Um, at this point, and um, my brother, my oldest brother, he overdosed, and he passed away in March of 2016, I think it was, yeah, 2016, and um, that, that was, like, the, like, the deal breaker for me, I was, I was, like, off in, like, my own world until, like, I got sober after that, um, he... <sighs> he did everything for me, you know, as a kid, like, my mom wasn't around, like, she was, you know, doing her own thing, grieving and dealing with her own issues in her own ways, and so when that happened, it was, like, it was, like, an okay for me to, for this, like, disease, to, like, take off, and, you know, I don't think that, I think I obviously was born um, an alcoholic, and this disease, it doesn't just, like, develop, I mean, it does over time, but, like, I had it since I was a kid, and I can see, like, behaviors from when I was young to when these things happened, but that one thing happening just, like, triggered something in my head that, like, I needed to not feel all the time. Um, from, you know, my dad passing away, I never dealt with any of that stuff. It was, oh, like, I'm doing this, and I'm sneaking out, and, like, all this, and I was just, like, a crazy, like, kid, so I never dealt with any of that stuff, and then this happens, and I'm, like, well, fuck it. And, like, I just, like, went off. So 
I went into freshman year. So growing up with two older brothers, everyone knew, like my oldest brother was like a popular kid. Everyone knew him in school. Um, so when I went to high school, like everyone knew who I was. You know, I had, there was girls, guys, like everyone knew who I was. And like, that's when I really started to party. So everyone wanted to like party with me. And like, I would go to these parties. I was 14 going like to colleges overnight and like all this crazy stuff. And, um, but I loved that like, I don't even know the word for it, like, the excitement of it, the chaos of it, like, oh, like, I'm I'm staying at this friend's house, but, like, I'm actually, like, two hours away at fucking Penn State, my mom never knew, and that was, like, exciting to me, and I got away with all of it for, like, a long time, um, so, after that happened, so, I was doing drugs before, but that's when, like, alcohol really, um, took like a toll on me and like my mind I was drinking every day at that point smoking weed every day at that point and there were some other um drugs in the mix there but um somehow I was still playing field hockey um it's funny a, a woman that I met in the program not too long ago I played field hockey with her daughter and I was like oh yeah I like would be drunk at games all the time and she was like what but like I didn't think there was anything wrong with that at that time like I I it was so normal to me. Like, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. And the fact that, like, I needed, I couldn't, I couldn't focus on anything unless I had a substance in me. Like, if I didn't have a substance in me, my head was going, 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 and, like, pain and, like, all this stuff. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't not have something in my body. Um, so my freshman year, I got a really bad concussion playing field hockey like that freshman year. And, um, I was out for, like, the rest of the season. It was, like, close to the end of the season. And um, I didn't have to go to school for a couple weeks. The doctor was, like, it was, like, pretty bad. And I had to, like, sit in a dark room with, like, the blanket over my head and stuff. And But I drank a lot then. Um, I wasn't at school for, like, a month and a half, I don't think. And um, I was drinking a lot. And my mom, like, caught me a couple times. And, like, she tried to, like, say some stuff. But after my brother passed away, she... She kind of let us, like, do whatever, because I don't think she knew how to, like... Not that she didn't know how to parent us. She didn't know what to do, you know? Um, we had lost our dad and then, like, our brother. She didn't know what to do with us, and she didn't want us. She had this fear of, like, us being angry at her. So she would let us pretty much do whatever we wanted. Um, so I was doing whatever I wanted. Um, I, I had gotten my license at some point. Um, I bought my first car by myself. I always I always had a job. I got my first job when I was 13. So I always had a job. I saved up for a car. I bought a car. And then I was drunk one night, driving home from a party, and crashed the car. And I was like, fuck. And um, so then, and that was my first, like, physical consequence of alcohol. You know, my mom would catch me and, like, all that stuff. But that stuff didn't really matter to me. You know, I was just a kid, like, being stupid. But this was the first, like, physical consequence and I had spent my own money you know it's not like my mom's money that I stole like that was my money that I worked for and I crashed this car and I was like dude what the fuck so that was like September of <laughs> that was <laughs> that was like September of my sophomore year I just got my license in June got the car crashed it in September so I got my license had it for I don't know what three four months whatever that is and then I crashed it so I was like, I didn't have a car. So my mom, she had this really nice Cadillac that she'd bought the year before. And it was her first, like, purchase, like, nice for herself since my dad passed away. 
She bought herself this nice car. A month later, I told her her car, drunk driving. And um, so luckily, I could drive the car away. Well, when I crashed my car, um, I just left it there. And, like, I got one of my friends to pick me up. And, like, I stayed at her house. And then, like, we reported it stolen the next morning. And, like, that was, like crazy but um when i crashed my mom's when i crashed my mom's car i could still drive it so i drove it home and she knew that i was at my friend's house and she was at the bar with her friend so i call her or maybe her boyfriend at that time and i call her and i was like hey mom she's like what'd you do and i was like oh god she uh, somehow she knew i don't know if it's like a mom thing or like what but so she already knew and she was like do you crash my car and i was like maybe and she was like how bad is it and i was like well it started to smoke as i was pulling in the driveway she starts freaking the fuck out at me like she was freaking well obviously but um she was so pissed she came home and she grounded me that never lasted because i just did whatever i wanted anyway but um and i remember that night i i thought to myself i was like what like what's wrong with me like I just crashed a car two months ago like my car and then I go and I like total my mom's car and um and I remember thinking to myself like hmm, maybe if I didn't drink so much not that alcohol was a problem or the fact that like I'm irresponsible and can't do anything correctly like maybe if I didn't drink so much or I didn't take shots of tequila that night I would have been fine um so so after that, it was kind of like a trial and error for me, trying to figure out, like, how to do it right, you know, not necessarily like, oh, I can't drink anymore, I'm gonna not drink, it was like, okay, if I'm driving, I'm only gonna drink beer, well, then you drink how many beers, and you're blacked out drunk anyway, so then after that didn't work, I was like, all right, well, I'm just gonna do what I normally do, and then you mix all the stuff, and everything's crazy, and whatever, so I was trying to figure out, like, what worked, and then there was another substance that came into that, that, like, helped it work, and I was like, Okay, so then I started doing some other stuff, and um, my health, well, so that was, like, my end of sophomore year, so I was, like, almost gonna be 17, and I started hanging out with, like, some really bad people, well, I don't, maybe not bad people, just doing bad things, um, and I was in a lot of places I shouldn't have, shouldn't have been, I was at a lot of parties I shouldn't have been, it was all older kids, um, and I put myself in some really, like, unsafe situations, but I didn't think anything of it, because I was getting what I wanted from it, you know, I was the young girl, and there's guys around, like, they give me what I want, you know what I mean, and I never had to worry about anything, so I go into junior year, and I get another concussion with field hockey, and that, I was, like, I got really depressed, and, um, I really started drinking and doing drugs a lot, so that was, like, fall, of my junior year, 2018. Um, so, yeah, I was out for like the whole season um, and then um, still doing drugs, drinking. I'm drinking every day at this point. I'm showing up drunk to school. Um, my first period teacher, first period science, um, she was really cool. She knew both my brothers, so she kind of knew that I was like fucked up. So, um, she, she knew that I would come to school like high and drunk all the time and something I don't remember what happened something happened in like February like beginning of February 2019 and I came to school drunk and I think I broke like a glass like one of those like beakers that you like I don't know science shit or whatever and um 
so I had I had walked into school that morning and I was drunk and I think I had dropped like a glass something on the ground and I tried to clean it up and I like cut my hand open and she started I think she started to like worry about like me a little bit and knowing both my brothers and my my middle brother at this point was also out of control so she kind of watched him like go downhill from like freshman year to senior year and then he graduated and then now she's watching me go down um, and I'm still in these therapy groups, the therapy groups that my mom made me start when I was in like third grade. So this, wo this woman, Jen also is watching me go downhill from like this smart, like little girl that had like so much potential to like some girl that's like showing up like high and drunk to school every day. Um, so I'm still in those groups. So my first period science teacher, she ended up telling the office and I could tell she didn't want to get me in trouble but she wanted something to happen she like kept telling me that like it wasn't okay how I was showing up to school so she ended up telling the office and they had told this woman Jen that I was doing these therapy groups with and Jen knew um a little bit what was going on um not to the extent that it was but she she knew she's not an idiot and she works for Karen so she sees drunken high people on a daily basis so um so it was, I think, like, February 25th. I get pulled. I don't know how I remembered that date. Um, I got pulled into the office. I walk into school. It's first period. I'm wasted. I don't, I don't even really remember walking into school. I don't remember driving to school. I remember walking into school, and my science teacher was like, hey, um, Mrs. Moyer, the therapy girl, she was, she was like, she wants to see you in the office. I was like, oh, fuck. So I walked into the office, and she's sitting there in a chair waiting for me. And I'm drunk. I don't remember this conversation. I, the only reason why I'm telling it is, you guys, because she told me what the conversation was after the fact. And um, so she pulls me into the office, and she was like, hey, how are you? I was like, oh, like, I'm fine. And I'm probably slurring my words. Like, I probably stumbled in the door. She knew that I was drunk. And she starts asking me these questions, like, how much I drink, what drugs I'm on, like, all this stuff. And I don't know if it was God or what happened that morning but like I just told her the truth and I don't maybe it was because I was like blacked out drunk and like didn't really know what was going on but I just told her the truth about everything that I was on so she called my mom my mom picks me up from school or no she at the end of the conversation she was like have you ever thought about going to rehab and I was like the fuck I'm 17 I'm not going to rehab like you're fucking nuts and I remember leaving school and I drove myself home and I went home and like I got more drunk so so at this point, you know, some of my friends didn't really want to, like, be around me, you know, because everyone was always taking care of me, um, stuff like that. So I didn't really have anyone to go to about this because I knew if I would have went to, like, certain friends, like, they would have just told me, yeah, like, maybe you should. Um, and I was in, like, denial. I was like, there's no way, like, I'm 17 and, like, I, like, have a problem drinking and using drugs. Like, there's no way. So a week later, on um, February 28th, um, one of my oldest brothers that had passed away, one of his friends had overdosed on heroin and died. And I remember thinking to myself, because I'm an alcoholic and everything's about me, I was like, hmm, I don't want to die. So I went, I had gone back to her, to the woman, and I was like, yeah, like, I, I want to go. So I went to Karen for the first time. I think I was there for like a month and a half. So I went in March 1st. And um, I was there for like a month and a half. And um, I was like, all right, like, if I can just get off, like, the hard stuff, because at this point, I was, like, um, doing, 
hard drugs every day and I was like I think I was like 87 pounds when I went into rehab I remember like because when you go into rehab they have to like strip you down and stuff and I remember the woman that was like helping me or whatever she like looked at me like I was like a ghost like I was like nothing um I was like all right if I can get off the hard stuff like I can figure out how to like drink normally or I was like I'll, I'll be fine if like I can stop the drugs so I'd stay there for like a month and a half and, um, you know, you get the whole like stupid family plan and it's like, oh, like do this and like go to meetings and like all this stuff. It's like, all right, like I'll try. And um, so I get out and uh, my mom, my mom was supportive at this time. She, um, she had taken all the alcohol out the house and um, she was like really cool with the therapist that I had there and stuff. So she started she didn't let me drive at first so she took me to my first meeting and I forget where it was I think it was um I don't remember what the meeting was um but then she took me to a meeting like a week later or no I had asked my friend to take me to a meeting that I used to like do drugs with and smoke weed with and um so I my friend drove me and she was high and we walk into alpha group that's down there and um i was like oh saturday night like that's cool like i can't go to parties like let me go to a meeting whatever so i walked in and i was hearing about god and like all this stupid shit and i was like yeah like i'm out and i was like i like i don't belong here it was all like older people there was like maybe like two or three young people and i was like yeah like this isn't for me i was 17 i was like i, I don't belong here um, there's no way that I'm an alcoholic. So I didn't go back to a meeting after that. And I probably stayed sober for like three or four months, maybe until like beginning of summer. So I got out like mid-April. And then like once summer hit, I, I started drinking again. And um, so I started drinking again. And thank God I didn't pick up any drugs when I went back out. Um, I just drank a lot. Um, and it was crazy because... You know, I was a blackout drinker, so it didn't matter what the occasion was, where I was, if I'm by myself at a party with a couple friends, it didn't matter. Like, I, I was getting blocked out, and I wasn't going to remember what happened. And this, I remember taking a sip of beer, and they talk about in the book, in the doctor's opinion, this, like, phenomenon of craving, how, like, it just triggers something in our brain, and that that's how it works. And I remember taking one sip of beer, one sip, and I was like, oh, like, I'm good. Like, I'm not an alcoholic. Like, I'm okay. I took one sip, and that was it. The next night I was blacked out. So that one sip like triggered that in my head to like, okay, like I need, like once I start, like I can't stop. And then once I'm going, I don't know when I'm gonna stop. Um, and I drank that whole summer. Um, so I was going into my senior year um, and it was like homecoming at school. And you know, you do the dance and like all the stupid shit. And um, so I was going to the homecoming dance, and this was the last night that I drank. I was going to the homecoming dance with my friends, and um, they were all like, all right, Callie, don't get too drunk. And I was like, nah, guys, like, you don't understand. Like, I went to rehab. Like, I know what I'm doing now. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't remember what happened. I remember leaving my house, and I had gotten, like, a bottle of, like, Tito's or something. Or maybe it was a Vlad. I used to drink a lot of Vlad. I don't know why. It was cheap, maybe. And I don't remember, le I remember leaving my house and getting to my friend's house, and I don't remember nothing after that. We went to the dance. I remember seeing videos of me, like, the next day, and I was, like, rolling on the floor in, like, the high school fucking gym. I don't know. So I wake up in my friend's bed. 
in this like dress and I had like sparkles like on my eyes and there's fucking sparkles all over my face and I wear contacts and I had one contact in and I had both my heels on but one of the heels was broke and I was like yo what the fuck is happening like I had no idea what what had happened so my phone's dead so I plug it in I like wipe all the shit off my face and um, I wake up and I have like 45 missed calls. My mom has called me. The friend's house that I was staying at, she had called me like 50 times. So somehow, some way, I think, I don't. I honestly don't even really know. None of my friends really know either. My car was like an hour and a half away in this random fucking um, like neighborhood, like an hour and a half away. And we had drove around for like, seven to eight hours trying to find my car like the next day so my car's like an hour and a half away um my broken heel is in like the passenger side of the car I don't I don't know and I remember thinking to myself like yo like I did it again the car wasn't crashed or anything but like I was like what the fuck is wrong with me like I can't like I I can't do this and this like overwhelming feeling of like this is what my life is going to be like I'm fucking miserable I can't do this anymore because I was miserable all the time unless I was like blacked out drunk and I didn't know what was happening like I was miserable I was unhappy um and it's crazy because you know I had drank and done drugs for a couple of years until I went to rehab the first time but when I went back out and I started drinking again I went down so quick it took 3 to 4 months to get me back to exactly where I was before you know drinking so much my mind my mind was so like messed up I just wanted to die but I didn't want to kill myself because like I was pussy and like I would never have done that but I I just felt like that something needed to change so I had called the woman Jen that got me into rehab the first time and I called her and um she didn't answer the phone at first and then I had school the next day it was a Monday and um, my mom was getting ready for work and I had gotten ready for school and I was about to leave and I walk into my mom's bathroom and she was like curling her hair or something. She was like, are you okay? And like, I just started bawling. Like I, I was not okay at all. And that was October 1st, 2019. We called the girl. She got me back into Karen. Um, I wasn't there for a full um, time. I think I was there for maybe like two or three weeks. Um, and... Um, I, I remember, like, sitting in the rehab thinking about the first time I went and, like, this withdrawal that I had and just, like, praying that, like, that wasn't going to happen again. When I went to rehab the first time, like, I withdrawed really bad and I had lied to them about, like, in my intake about, like, how much I was using and stuff like that because I didn't want to go to the detox because it, like, scared me. I was like, there's no way that, like, I saw, like, old, like, men walking around. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to go there. So I had lied to them and told them that like I didn't drink that much and like all this stuff and then it was like the middle of the night one night like two nights into my stay and like I start throwing up like I I was so sick and they thought like I had ate something and then like they eventually figured out that like I was withdrawing. Um, so they, like, rushed me to the hospital. It was, like, fucking blizzarding out. It was March, and it was, like, a blizzard. The poor lady that was driving me, she was, like, 23. And, like, I looked like she had never driven in snow before. It was terrible. And I was in the hospital for a week. And um, I remember my mom coming. I don't even remember that whole week. I remember my mom coming, like, telling me that she loved me and it was going to be okay. And um, I remember, like, the second time I went back, I was, like thinking about that and how I never like wanted to feel like that again because when I went back out I pushed all that out you know what I mean because I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it I wanted to get high I wanted to drink I wanted to do all that stuff because it made 
me feel good in that moment. You know, that was my solution to everything. No matter if it was a small problem, big problem, I was happy, I was sad, no matter what it was, that was my solution to it. Um, so I remember thinking like, I never want to feel like that again. And like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how to do it, but I need to do something different this time. Um, so they made the decision that me going back to like normal high school, cause I was a senior, um, probably wasn't the best decision. So I had uh, registered for online school and then the Karen outpatient place in Why I'm Missing, they do like a school program. So I went there and um, it was like me and all these like 16 year old boys. And I was like, holy shit. And, um, but I met two amazing people there um, that I still talk to now. Um, they're still like a big part of my life. One had moved, aw moved away to New Jersey, but the other one's still around and I see him often. And um, they brought me to this meeting. They brought me to the Thursday night meeting. And, you know, the one guy said to me, he was like, just give this nine months. And if nothing gets better, then go back out. No one's stopping you. I was like, okay. So, you know, I did what they told me to do. I got a sponsor and I was super stubborn. And I didn't want to do anything. And um, I, I ended up, I got my first sponsor and then it, di it didn't end up not working out. So I got another one. I was still living in Fleetwood. So Pottstown wasn't that far from me. So I was going to meetings in Pottstown. I was coming here because um, I was still in school. So like after school, I'd come to meetings and stuff. Um, but I was going to these Pottstown meetings and I, and I met a woman there and I asked for my sponsor. We started going through the steps and... Um, Looking back on it now, there was only so much that I could get out at that point. So, like, I did a four-step. I did my fifth-step. And um, I felt, like, okay. Um, but after I was done, I kind of, like, knew that, like, I needed a little bit more, you know, because they had talked about these, like, promises and, like, the 12-step and all this stuff. And I was like, I don't feel like any of this. You know, my relationship with my higher power was developing over time, but it wasn't um, – I knew that, like, I – I knew that I needed to, like, go harder at it, if that makes sense. Um, I needed to do another four-step. I needed to, um, you know, do some things differently. So um, so I kind of, like, restarted after that. Well, to backtrack a little bit, actually, COVID had hit in the middle of all this. So I was, like, four months sober when COVID hit. So all my meetings shut down. I couldn't go to the school anymore. And that was, like, keeping me, like, sober for uh, for a minute, you know, because I didn't really have anything else. You know, I had stopped hanging out with all my friends. Like, the only people that I had were, like, in these rooms. And I saw them when I came to the meetings. So everything shut down. I was like, oh, my God, I'm fucked. But somehow I got through it. I kept in contact with people. Um, there was a couple months or maybe, like, two or three months where I didn't do anything. And then, like, I really felt like shit and, like, you can hit a bottom in recovery too if you don't do anything if you have no if you're not working any pro well for me if I'm not working any program I'm not doing anything there's no nothing spiritual in my life I'm not connected to the rooms like I can hit a bottom in recovery too I can want to kill myself in recovery and like I I experienced that because I wasn't doing any of this stuff um so when the world became like a little bit more normal um I found another sponsor who's still my sponsor now um and we started going through the steps and I, and I was thinking about it today, actually, about like how I feel like this time around my steps, it was like the big girl steps. Like I was like, cause I got, I got really honest this time. And there was a lot of stuff in my first four step that I felt like my, I, I couldn't handle yet. And it's, it was like, you know, my sponsor says now sometimes like, it's like an onion peel, you know, you peel back layers and stuff like that. And, um, so this time around, I went through the steps it was it was very different um 
And I think, too, you know, as I stay sober, I become more, um, I become more, what's the word? Like, I can, I can see things for what it is. Um, so I can, oh, I'm self-aware, that's the word. Um, I became more self-aware, right? So I started to, like, realize, like, oh, like, I'm doing this and, like, why I'm doing it. Or if something popped up in my life, like, what fear is it coming back to? Like, my sponsor now, like, taught me all that, you know? I, when anything goes wrong now, like, most of the time, when when my head's clear and, like, spiritually I'm okay, I can narrow it down to, like, what is actually going on. And then from that point, I can, like, figure out how to fix it. And that would have never came if I didn't do a thorough fourth and fifth step um, and, like, allow people, and especially my sponsor, to, like, understand that stuff. Um, I think that my my fifth step is really what started to change things for me. And, like, the fourth step for me was very important, but I needed action behind it. I couldn't just, like, not do anything about it because I had written my fourth step and I was like, oh, okay, like, I'm a piece of shit, whatever. So now it's like, okay, like, what do I do with it? So I told somebody and it's like, okay, like, that didn't really change anything. Yeah, it felt good to, like, say that to somebody, but it, it didn't really do anything for me until, like, I started, like, making amends. Um, and I had made a couple amends, like, my first time around, um, you know, my mom, which it was easy to make because I, I wanted a better relationship with her. But there was some, like, deeper stuff that I didn't realize was still there. So doing, like, the four step again, it, it made a huge difference. So, and starting to make those amends, like, is where, like, the freedom came for me. I, um... <laughs> Hey, Chris. Um, so, um, <laughs> right? Um, so, Chris, what the fuck? Um, so, yeah, I started, I started making some amends, and um, I started to get a little bit more freedom. Um, I... There's still some amends now, you know, I'm not a perfect person, even though I've been through the steps, just because I went through the steps doesn't mean like I'm fixed and I'm cured and everything's fine. I don't have to do this stuff. Like, you know, I have some resentments against like my brother. I still haven't made an amends to him ever in the three years that I've been sober. Um, my sponsor had me like write stuff on note cards, like separate it into like three piles, like ones you're willing to do, ones like eh, maybe, and ones never. And he's literally the only one in the never pile. And like eventually that'll come, you know, as I pray about it. And I think a big thing for me in recovery is like starting to like accept myself and other people for who they are, um, which acceptance is a really hard thing. You know, I had to accept the fact that I was an alcoholic and I was like powerless over alcohol and I could never drink again as a 17 year old kid. I was like, yo, like that's so like unreal. But those little like stupid cliche sayings we have, like that's what they're there for. You know, it's not something like in my head, I think that it's stupid. Like one day at a time, yeah, that's stupid because there's other things going on. Five years from now, there's going to be something or next week there's something. But those things don't really matter now because I can't do anything about that now. Um, I am like a super overthinker about everything. I um, like to future trip, as they say, and like think about like what's going to go wrong. Like I can't control any of that and I can't control what other people do. Um, I can only control, control like myself. Um, and, you know, it is a cool, it, it's, it sucks sometimes because you like, 
when you become self-aware of these things, you like have to do the right thing, even though you don't want to. There's a lot of things like I didn't, I don't want to do right, but I, but I have to, you know, because that that's what I was taught in here. And if I do the things I was taught in here, like there's a good chance like I'm gonna be okay. Um, I think it's like almost like three months ago now. I like I got fired from my job, so like I, well, a year ago I moved out into like my own apartment and like I'm doing my thing and like I'm working this job and like I'm getting a promotion, like all this stuff. And, like, two or three months ago, I got fired from the job. And I wanted to burn that place down. I was so angry. And, like, I came here, and, like, I was talking to people about it. And, like, I didn't shut the fuck up about it for, like, three weeks. Well, I, I still talk about it now because, you know, but but it's, like, what I do with it. You know what I mean? Like, I was so angry. I was so angry. I was like, this is horse shit. Like, they don't, they don't understand because, you know, I'm a victim and everyone's doing stuff to me, me, me. But that's not the reality of it. That's just how my head works. And that's the beautiful, beautiful thing about meeting people in the rooms because I can talk to people and they can be like, okay, well, you know, not everything's about you. And they keep me accountable for that stuff and they can, like, put my head where it's supposed to be because it's really easy for me to get myself into, like, a mindset that I don't want to be in, that's dangerous for me to be in, or spiritually not okay for me to be in. Um... And I think, like, a big part of my, you know, recovery is bringing my higher power with me no matter where I go. I've experienced some things in recovery that I didn't bring God with. And nothing good comes out of that. You know, I have to bring God with me no matter where I go. Even if it's to the grocery store or anything, I have to bring God with. Because then I know that, like, I'll be okay. If I am spiritually fit, I can do anything that I want to do. Um, and... You know, some, there's some things that I don't like to do. Like, a lot of, like, my... I don't talk to any of, like, my old friends anymore. Like, I wouldn't go to, like, old parties that I used to go to and, like, stuff like that. But, like, I'm young. You know, there's a lot of things I haven't done in life. And, like, I, I can do anything that I want to do as long as, like, I stay connected and, like, God's with me. And, like, I'm spiritually fit. I can I can do anything I want to do. Um, and I think that... It took me a while spiritually to get to that point, and it took me a lot of willingness to be open to try new things, um, you know, because I didn't want to pray for a long time. Even now, I can still, like, I can go in and out of it, um, but it's all, like, for me, it was all about being willing to, like, try something that I was uncomfortable with, and that's been, like, a repeating like cycle in my story is like trying things that make me uncomfortable because when I'm uncomfortable like that's when I grow um if I just stay comfortable and I and I stay where I'm at like nothing happens um and, and that's what I did when I drank you know what I mean I was comfortable drinking I was comfortable doing drugs I was comfortable in the chaos and like nothing changed except worse shit and my you know I wanted to kill myself more and I got an underage and I got arrested. Like nothing changed, you know. I was I was I was going down the same path the whole time. Now, you know, life isn't perfect all the time. Even though like I wish that it was, but that's not like that's not reality. And you know, the cool thing about this program is like those ups and downs. Like I have something to lean on. I have people to lean on. I have a program that tells me what to do if I am willing to do it. Um, there's a lot of things like when I first got sober that I didn't want to do, you know, I didn't want to go talk to random ladies and I didn't want to call people <laughs> and like, I, I didn't want to do any of that. And for a while, like all my friends were guys. And then like, I kind of started to realize like, 
hmm, there's a lot of things, like, these dudes, like, can't help me with, and then, like, that showed me, like, okay, like, I need to talk to some women, and it's super uncomfortable, like, now, like, I have, like, the greatest friends, you know what I mean, and I'm able to have a relationship because this program taught me how to. Before, I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to be a good friend. I didn't know how to be there for anybody. And the cool thing about it, too, is, like, when I first got sober, I didn't really need to do anything except come to the meetings, you know, and people showed me the way. Um, Answer the phone, call people, you know, and the people in the rooms, like, they, as corny and stupid as it sounds, and I hate when people say this, like, they loved me until I could love myself. And then I was able to, like, be there for them too because when I first came in like I didn't really have as I think I didn't really have anything to offer anybody and I have any advice to give anybody you know I didn't know shit so um I just I took I tried and I still do this now I try to take in everything I can and learn from everything and always be willing to learn and always have an open mind to try things that are new or if I am going through something that isn't working like being able to try new things um, because I know that, like, my ideas never got me anywhere, and, like, I love when people say that, and, like, you talk about that, because if I think about, like, what I've done, like, self-will, like, never got me anywhere. It got me in rehab twice in the same year, and crashing two cars, totaling my mom's car, like, it never got me anywhere. So when I shut up and I listen to people in these rooms, like, I get, I get an answer, you know, that's not always, it's not like everybody in the rooms is right or anything like that, but, better than what I was thinking because like for example when I got fired from the job I wanted to go back and punch everybody in the face and fight everybody and you know stab my manager all this stuff but like that's not the right thing but and that's what goes through my head though so but that's not the right thing and it takes you know me talking to other people and being open about like the way that I'm feeling to like get the right answer and know that like those things aren't okay um, and as I've, you know, grown in the program, like, I kind of know myself what's right and wrong, but it sometimes it takes someone telling me it, like, no, Callie, like, you can't go burn your old workplace down. Um, <laughs> even though I know, I consciously know that that's not right. Sometimes it takes someone to tell me that, you know, because my ideas are crazy. My mind is crazy. Um, and, you know, I've learned so much about, myself in this program and I'm able to like be like a human being today you know I'm able to be an employee I'm able to be like a daughter like me and my mom's relationship was so bad when I came in here like I used to yell at her and call her every name and this and that and like now like I love my mom like she you know this past week was my birthday and we went out to dinner and like it was it was so good and like I have two little baby cousins and like they love me and like I'm able to, like, be there, like, before, like, I remember in, like, my addiction, like, I had babysat them one night, and I was, like, outside, like, with the baby monitor, like, smoking weed, like, that's not, like, what I'm supposed to do, you know what I mean, and, like, now, like, I can be present, I can, I'm able to watch them grow, and, like, those are the things that are important to me now, um, because I, you know, replaced a solution with another solution that's, like, kept me here, um, because drugs and alcohol were the solution to my problem before and like now like this program is because I can put the drink down but I'll still be crazy you know I'll still be a bitch I'll still be an asshole and I can do that if I don't do what I'm supposed to do I can go back to that sober um but this this program keeps me sane and it keeps me you know doing the right thing and doing what I'm supposed to do so that's all that I have
Thanks for checking out this episode of the New Life Speakers Podcast. Please remember that our group is self-supporting through its seven tradition. Donations can be made by clicking the link on our website, newlifespeakers.org. You can also find a link for this in the description below. Tune in next week for a new speaker, and thanks for listening.